this episode of AvTalk, we break down Airbus and Boeing order and delivery numbers for 2021, the FAA's mysterious ground stop, and an improbable crash in California. Hello and welcome to episode 146 of AvTalk. I am Ian Pechnik here as always with Jason Rabinowitz. Hello, Ian. What's going on? Hello, Jason. You know, things are happening. We're back in school after a small hiatus, thanks to teachers and districts not agreeing on things. But the kids are back in school, which is why the recording is quieter, quieter I believe, than usual. Yeah. this week. But other than that, things are going well, and let's hope they stay that way. How are you, sir? Great. I have no issues of that sort, so everything else pales in comparison. The cat's in school. Everything's going well with that, and getting good marks. Yeah, she disappears between 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. and then reemerges when I'm done with work. I mean, that's not bad cat work if you can get it. No, no. She is a good gig. <laughs> in general, yeah. Let's see. What do we got? This week's show is a hodgepodge of stuff. We don't have any head-scratching interviews this week. I think we used up our quota for a couple of weeks on John last week because you know, just the more we talked, and we had John, and we we're like, "Well, let's figure out what's going on. Maybe he knows." And no, it's just more questions upon questions upon questions. And a week later, we're kind of where we were last week, where we don't really know much. We don't even know who, if anyone, is actually investigating what happened. Yeah, which is- <laughs> sure seems like nothing's happening, at least officially out in the open, nothing. Maybe something will happen somewhere, and then we'll have to revisit this. But if you didn't listen to last week's episode, we had a really good conversation with John Ostrow from the Air Current about Emirates 231 that on the 20th of December barely departed to Dubai. So it was a very, very interesting incident and one that you can revisit in last week's episode. But let us begin this episode recapping last year's orders and deliveries from the commercial airline duopoly that is Airbus and Boeing, a on balance, a much better year than 2020, though I fail to see how it could have been worse than it was in 2020. I mean, looking at numbers in the 100% increase range for certain aircraft categories, just because of everything that happened, especially Boeing coming back and restarting deliveries of the 737 MAX, which really saved their numbers. But let's start with, do you want to start with orders or deliveries, Jason? Let's go with deliveries. That's what really counts right now. Deliveries. All right. So starting with Boeing on the delivery front, just because that's what I wrote down first, 340 deliveries in 2021. A majority of those on the single aisle side, obviously. 245 MAX went home with their customers. Seven 747-8s. Six of those went to UPS. 19767300 freighters and a bulk of those going to FedEx. One 777-200LR passenger aircraft, the last that Boeing will ever deliver, that went to Turkmenistan Airlines. Seven 777-300ERs, 16 777 freighters, two 7878-8s and 12787-9s. They also delivered Boeing accounts, Boeing and Airbus both account 
commercial airframes that then get turned into military aircraft as part of their deliveries. So 13767 tankers, those are split between those going to the Japan Air Self-Defense Force and the United States Air Force and the Italian government. And then 16 P-8s, which is the 737-800-ish based on the 737-800 airframe and then heavily modified replacements for the P-3 subhunters. So those went to the US Air Force, the Norwegian Air Force, and the Royal Air Force in the UK. So that is the Boeing side. So some interesting numbers coming out from Boeing. And unfortunately, Boeing doesn't break down the max counts between the eight, nine, I suppose Ryanair would be easy because they're all eight 200s. But I wish they would have broken that down and I didn't have time to do all of that myself today. Yeah. And speaking of breakdowns, last week's guest, John Ostrauer of the Air Current, put together a really nice, fascinating looking couple of... I don't know what you call these charts, circular edition charts. I don't know what you call them. Like he's taken different rings and the the most inner ring is Boeing. And then outside from that is the family type. And then outside from that is the specific type. And then outside from that on the outermost ring is the actual customer, be it the airline or the leasing company. And what stands out to me is that Ryanair takes an outsized number of Boeing aircraft compared to when you look at the Airbus chart, there are a ton of smaller carriers taking a small number of aircraft. There really isn't anyone close to what Ryanair is doing in terms of sheer number of aircraft taken. Yeah, I think that's interesting. And it's always, I don't don't say always, but that's an interesting observation because Boeing's customer base is often very, very loyal. But the airlines that account for huge orders, or there are a few airlines that account for huge orders more often than not. You know, Ryanair coming in with, we're going to order, you know, a billion 737s. Southwest saying, we'll go a billion and one. And then United coming in and saying, okay, we're going to, we're going to do a billion and two. Whereas, yeah, you're looking at the Airbus numbers and you're like, oh, I've never, I've never heard of that airline. Never heard of that airline. Oh, that's interesting. They only took, you know, they ordered two planes and that's their entire fleet and and things like that. So I I think, yeah, I think that's, I think that's an interesting observation. Yeah. I guess if you put a few of the Airbus ordering airlines together, like Wizz Air, Indigo, and Volaris, I think it's Volaris at least, you put them together and you end up with a chunk the size of Ryanair. But Ryanair, by far, by an order of magnitude, took the the most aircraft of any airline seemingly in the world in 2021. I mean, yeah, I didn't break it down by airline, but I would not be surprised. I mean, Ryanair is no stranger to taking you know three, four at a time home from Seattle. And by a time, you mean so, in a day? No, no, I mean like they depart one after the other and fly home together, like at a time. Yeah, not not even in a day. In like a five minute period, they all leave. But yeah, I, I think that's interesting. I also think it's interesting the breakdown of where they're sending the new aircraft and, and where they're seeing the opportunities. And we can get into that perhaps in, in another episode when we talk about you know airlines where airlines are utilizing their new aircraft, and especially Ryanair, because you know you have Ryanair buying all of these aircraft under the kind of the, the Ryanair company, but then you've got Buzz, you've got Malta Air, and things like that where they're they're actually being used. So what did Airbus do? Airbus numbers. So they delivered 611 aircraft 
Three. That's a much bigger number. It is a much bigger number. But you know, remember that Boeing. So okay, let's jump back to Boeing for a second. That number would have been higher had Boeing resolved its seven eight seven quality issues, and you know the Max deliveries were still restarting in earnest at the beginning of the year. So you've got a few things working against Boeing on the delivery front. Things are a bit rosier for Boeing on, on the order front, but we'll get there when we get there. Back to Airbus, six hundred eleven total deliveries. Three A22100s, 47 A22300s, two A319 CEOs, two A319 NEOs, A320 NEOs, 258, A321 CEOs, 22, and also uh, those 22 were the last ever delivered. So the, the CEO line is done. And the last one went home to Delta, well, just a few weeks ago we talked about it. A321 NEOs, 199. Similar to Boeing's accounting for aircraft, the three A330-200s that departed all went, basically transferred over to Airbus Defense and Space for conversion into the MRTTs. One A330-300. Jason, who took delivery of the A330-300? 300. Yeah. Was it a commercial airline? It was not. It was not a commercial airline. So good first question. I like this. It is bigger than a bread box. Is it an MRTT or is that are no, based on no, the 200? It's, yeah, they're based on the 200. Yeah, it was K5 Aviation. So they took the lone A330-300 home. Huh. One A330-800, so the smaller version of the A330neo went home with Uganda Airlines. Then the numbers jump up a little bit. A330 900s, 13. A350 900s, 49. A350 1000s, 6. And last and, well, almost least, A380s, 5. 5. So I found it interesting, actually, that you mentioned that numbers are up this year, and you would hope so. But interestingly, for Airbus wide-body aircraft, the numbers actually slightly went down from 2020 to 2021. Overall, in 2020, the A330 had 19 deliveries, and in 2021, it was down to 18. So they were down one. For the A350, it was 59 versus 55 last year. So they actually delivered fewer wide-body aircraft overall in the A330 and A350 family in 21 versus 20, which I thought was interesting. It's it's margin of error kind of thing, but it did not shoot up like we saw on the narrow body side. Right, right. But yeah, but I mean, splitting the narrow bodies out from the wide bodies, you look at it and go, oh, wow, that that's a lot of aircraft. And what's interesting to me is that that huge ramp up in the A321 family or the, the A321neo. I guess A321 family because you've got the A321neo, the A321LR, and then they're going to add the XLR eventually. And, and you see that big ramp up in orders and deliveries for the A321neo. And, and we'll get to that. Well, let's do the orders right now. Let's stick with Airbus because we, we can keep talking about that. I will do, do you want to do gross and net or do you just want to do net? Let's just do net. Just do net. Okay. That's what matters. There you go. 771 orders. We've got uh, 725 from the single aisle family and then the balance among the A330s and the A350s. A220-100s, four. Nobody really wants that small A220. Uh, a little too small. Uh, I'll take one. 
Can you get me one? I cannot. Ah, okay. I tried. A220-334, A319-NEO-2, A320-CEO, negative seven. Hmm. A320-NEO. We're going to do gross and net here because the gross is interesting. The, the net is even more so. There were 78 new orders for the A20-NEO in 2021. They lost 162 orders. That was the big loss category for, for Airbus, and they ended up with negative 84 on the year. And then the big number that I was talking about, A321-NEO, new orders, 500 and 81, and they only saw 55 cancellations. Hmm. So total of 526 net. But I mean, that's really, I mean, the A321, I feel like just even just a few years ago, we were kind of really bemoaning the A321 because it, it lacked a lot of the performance capabilities that would have made it a good plane. And then all of a sudden, here comes the A321neo and everyone's like, well, yeah, okay. Now I would like one. Yeah. Or maybe airlines just got tired of waiting for Boeing to do something to counter it and just said, well, they're not doing anything. So got to order something. <laughs> got to order something. Three A330, regular old A330s. <laughs> A330 regular. Regular. 330 800s, five. Eh? 330 900s, 22. A350 freighters, 11. A350 900s, five net. And then A350 1000s, negative four. Hmm. So the the long and the short of it is that the short of it is longer than the long of it. Yeah. And the backlog for Airbus actually reduced quite a bit 2020 to 2021. It went from 7,184 to 7,082. So the backlog, even with all these new orders from this year or from last year, actually reduced by just over 100 aircraft. Yeah. I mean, that big chunk of A320 cancellations, I think, really hits there. Yeah, I don't. I don't feel all that bad. They still have a backlog of seven thousand aircraft. I mean, everyone's going to. Okay. Everyone's going to be okay. Boeing orders nine oh nine for Boeing this year. Basically, everyone wants a max, and then there's some filtering out in the wide body segment. Seven hundred and forty nine max orders. Wow. Five seven four seven eight orders. The seven six seven freighter remains very strong with thirty eight orders. 777 freighter, 42 orders, which is one of the highest years for the 777 freighter. 777X saw 11 orders. 787 10 8 saw one, and 789 saw 16. The 767 line and the 737 line will also produce eventually 16 P8s and 27 767 tankers based on the orders from this year. So that we'll include those just because they're built on the same lines. Yeah. So while Airbus demolished Boeing in deliveries this past year, orders are well seemingly in Boeing's favor by hundreds. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just ish. a lot of big max orders, a lot of big max orders, especially kind of to cap off the year with Allegiant getting in there under the wire with their 100 or 50 plus 50 order. So there's that. And then kind of looking forward to deliveries for this year, we should see the last 747 come off the line and go home. Hmm. That's going to be this year. And that should be UPS, right? 
I think either UPS or Atlas will actually get the last last one, mm. depending on which you know which order they're delivered in. But yeah, I hesitate to say something to look forward to. Oh, it's something to be looking for. I don't necessarily know if you have to be looking forward to it, but there it is. So those are healthier numbers this year, much more healthy than than last year, and things seem to be on the upswing. We'll see where things go this year. Which air show do we have this year? Farmer, One of them, right? Far- yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Fingers crossed. Well, I mean, th- something like that will happen, we hope. So we'll see if, if that gives us a chance to talk about some big orders. But in the meantime, that's where things stand. Let's turn our attention to something that happened the other day that I don't think anyone really understands officially, but unofficially sounds like a oops. Maybe. Maybe. So at about 2.30 in the afternoon on the West Coast, air traffic controllers at the beginning of the week ground stopped traffic and requested some aircraft to land. This wasn't just a not letting new aircraft depart. This was, we're not letting aircraft depart and we're requesting some aircraft land. Yeah, the former is pretty routine for a whole host of reasons, but the latter of actually requesting, or not requesting, but requiring that aircraft already in the air land, that probably hasn't happened since 9-11 on a wide scale. Yeah, at least on a scale this large. I mean, it was just very, very strange to hear. This kind of didn't pick up until the following morning when people started asking some questions, and the FAA was kind of quiet about it, I guess, at first, and didn't really say much of anything. And then they finally issued a statement that said, you know, we nothing. (laughs) You know, we we have policies and procedures in place for these things and and we're reviewing these policies and procedures. Context here is that at roughly the same time as the FAA put this ground stop into place, the North Koreans had launched a missile projectile of some kind. And at about the same time, the FAA issued this ground stop. NORAD says, we didn't tell anybody to do anything. We didn't say that this should happen. So the FAA did this kind of on its own. Unclear still why the FAA felt this was necessary, whether this was some sort of accidental issuance of of an emergency ground stop, whether it was being very proactive, I guess, or, you know, I think one person described it as hypervigilance or hypercautiousness. In any case, a very interesting situation and one that left a lot of us scratching our heads. So if you're listening and have any idea what precipitated this or, or what's going on or have any information here, podcast at fr24.com, we would love to know what you know if you know something. Yeah, a lot of people passing off speculation and guesses as fact. Yes, these two events did happen at approximately the same-ish time, but there is, as far as I know, no official linkage of one event with the other. So people really need to stop saying that that was an absolute fact that that one thing caused the other. If anything, I would have expected the FAA to do this kind of thing in Hawaii, which makes more sense than the entire West Coast. I don't know of, I haven't heard of anything like this happening in Hawaii at the same time. So it just strikes me as quite odd, but we talked about this 
earlier before we were recording that we are reviewing the process around this kind of does make it seem like somebody hit the wrong button. Yeah, that, that was part of the FAA statement, that they're reviewing the process about what happened. So my working theory is that somebody was being overly cautious or perhaps not on purpose because the whole thing lasted 15 minutes. It was basically over before it started. And I think the aircraft that were required to land were very few. So that's you know something to keep in mind as well. And there were apologies issued for the inconvenience to flight traffic. Let's move on to something that I, the chances of happening are low, infinitesimally small that I cannot believe it happened. An aircraft departing a, a California airport took off, crashed, came to rest on a railroad crossing. The police are called. They arrive. A train is coming. They pull the pilot out of the aircraft seconds before the train collides with the aircraft, smashing it into tiny pieces. Tiny, tiny pieces. Uh, What? I mean, especially it being in the LA area, like there are not many high speed trains, maybe not high speed, but trains moving at significant speed in LA. For these events to align where a plane would crash on a railroad crossing and a passenger train moving at a high rate of speed would hit that plane is just astronomically unlikely to happen, but it happened. It happened and the pilot was injured in the crash, but was pulled to safety before the train hit the airplane. We haven't received any updates on his condition other than that he was taken to the hospital and is expected to eventually recover. But I mean, just wow. And you brought up a good point the other day about the fact that the train, it should have been relatively simple to stop the train. Well, yeah. The first responders had enough time to set up yellow caution tape and cordon off the area. Something in the link of actions failed here. Every railroad crossing in the US has a little blue placard on it that says, here's where you are, here's the crossing ID, here's a phone number to call if there's an obstruction. Either somebody did not call that number to inform Metrolinx or or BNSF or whoever operates, whoever actually owns the rail on this crossing to stop rail traffic. Or maybe they did make that call and, and dispatch just couldn't get that information to the train in time. But if you have enough time to set up a caution tape, there's probably enough time to make that phone call. Yeah. I mean, there were a lot of people standing around, you know, lots of police officers, people filming, you know, that had stopped to see what was going on. So yeah, I I thought it was really interesting. And also I forget who brought this up on Twitter, but you would think that given the fact that the airport and the train tracks pretty much run next to each other, that the tower at the airport would have a way to get a hold of the the train operator as well. but Yeah, a lot went wrong there. But the Cessna, unfortunately, looks like it will never fly again because it's in a million pieces. But I am told the train will make a full recovery. <laughs> the train always wins. The train always wins. It doesn't matter what it hits. The train always wins. I guess sticking with planes that won't make a full recovery, but thankfully, no one suffered any serious injuries here. In Hangzhou, China, a... Aviastar TU-204 was getting ready for departure and caught fire 
somewhere. It looks at this point like the fire began in the cargo. This is a cargo aircraft caught fire in the cargo compartment. The aircraft was not able to be saved and is currently in three pieces. It broke just after the wings, just after the wing join, and the back half of the aircraft is now on the ground, and then the plane tilted forward, and the flight deck area has also separated. So thankfully, no serious injuries there, and it was just cargo that was lost, but not a great day for that aircraft either. No, one fewer of an aircraft that did not see many frames ever built. I I think fewer than 90 were built, so that is one fewer aircraft. For those who may not be familiar, it looks spectacularly close to a 757, but is slightly different and a lot more Russian. Slightly different and a lot more Russian. That's an accurate description. Yeah. Yeah. Not that many still in service. I think only like in the 30s, almost entirely within Russia. So it's sad to see such a a unique and rare aircraft go out this way. I mean, yeah, it's not a great thing to see regardless of the aircraft, but especially when there are so few around. But a very nice job by the Hangzhou Fire Service. Some textbook fire suppression activities and some very good fire photography by spotters at the airport. We'll put a link in the show notes to some of those photos that they were able to capture. In good news, the Qantas A380 has returned to service. We've got QF11 was up first. Sydney to LAX came up yesterday on the 11th of January and will return today. So that's, I think, all of the major A380 carriers, if I'm not mistaken, that are bringing back the aircraft. Yeah, all of the airlines that intend to bring them back at some right. point, I believe. Because Singapore is, right? Yeah, Singapore yeah, has Singapore's them back. back. Qantas, BA, who else is out there? Emirates, China Southern. Emirates, of course, China Southern never stopped operating it. Right, right. Yeah, Emirates and, and China Southern, you know, or China Southern never stopped, but they've very few flights. Emirates restarted and has since, you know, catapulted back since the beginning of the year to where they're, you know, they used to account for for 40% of the flights, but now it's, I think, 83% over 2021 or for the number of A380 flights. But Qantas is back much sooner than they originally planned. The original plan when they were parked was they would be back by mid-2023. Then that date kept getting moved up as things changed. And then finally, they said, you know what, we'll put it back into service now. So beginning of 2022, so a full 18 months ahead of the initial plan. So some things there. Yeah, some rumors or speculation as well that Etihad might actually bring its A380s back into service in in limited capacity, at least a portion of the fleet in the near future. No firm information, but there could potentially be one more airline bringing them back. Oh, we forgot Qatar. And Qatar, yeah. Well, not not willingly. Yeah, they, they didn't want to bring their A380s back, but they did. Or, or they, at least they will. Back they a, will. A few. Yeah. Yeah, they brought back a few on the London and Paris route, and that, that could expand over, over the coming months. But they didn't want to. Abakar has called it uh, the airline's greatest mistake. Mm. Which I, J- I, know, I know Jason thinks that not having a premium economy cabin is the airline's greatest mistake. Huge. But. <laughs> I mean, it's it's interesting to see who's doing what with them, and what they will manage to do in the future, and how long they will be part of the the revived fleet. So we'll we'll keep an eye on that. 
This is a bizarre story. This was last night. So the 11th of January, this happened. We're recording on the 12th. If last night was the 11th, in case, Jason, you were confused about that. I'm not, but go on. Okay. (laughs) So this is, they're boarding an American Airlines flight in Honduras to fly to Miami. Of course, Miami. A guy runs down the jet bridge. So the flight deck door is still open. They're not ready to go yet or anything like that. They're still preparing the cabin and things like that. Guy runs down the jet bridge into the flight deck, busts up the flight controls, and then tries to get out the window. Huh. Okay. I will we'll never know what happened, but clearly some sort of mental illness here, I would assume. But I don't want to presume much of anything except to say that this is just a bizarre incident. Yeah, but as was pointed out to me on Twitter earlier today, the, the chain of events leading up to this is kind of funny that this person bought a ticket. They safely got to the airport. They went through security. They waited in the airport hold room for the flight to board. They dealt with boarding. They scanned their boarding pass. They went down the jet bridge. And then and only then did they decide to freak out. A lot of process to go to. I to mean, I've been, I've been on a jet bridge before. They, they I can are kind of understand. I can kind of understand. Who among us during boarding, not boarding in Europe hasn't wanted to go? <laughs> We're going to board the aircraft and then have you stand on the jet bridge for an hour. It may or may not be wet. And cold. Good luck. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure about that one. And then another thing that is just bizarre to me is what happened with the Sunwing flight where a bunch of Canadian influencers, influencers, I'm using influencers and scare quotes, decided to have a big party on the plane. We're not wearing masks, not following any of the cabin crew's instructions or anything like that get to Mexico, and then the airlines won't fly them back. Well, good. And now they're all upset. <laughs> I, I, I'm, on, I'm, I'm with the airlines on this one. Yeah, not only will the airline that flew them down, I think it was Sunwing, said no. Sunwing tattled on them to all of the other Canadian airlines. I believe Air Canada and WestJet, who also promptly told them to stick it and figure out another way home. Yeah, so that was just like, why? why what part of anything makes I, – I don't understand. But that, the, that the whole thing is great. Like all, all these people went down. Apparently, they were booked through a promoter of some sort. So they didn't even book their own flights. It has shades of Fire Festival a little bit. Shades of Fire and, Festival. And then they kind they just kind of got abandoned there. And this person oh. who, who booked them apparently has a past history of doing shady things. And as shady people do, abandon them. And now they have to figure out how to get their own way home when they didn't pay to go down there in the first place. And now they have to pay for their accommodations, their food, transportation, and somehow have to figure out a walk-up ticket home when multiple airlines have blacklisted them. So behave yourself on board. Don't be stupid and this won't happen to you. You won't get stuck in Mexico. Let's close the show with some upcoming good news. The 737 MAX has flown in China with Chinese civil aviation administration personnel on board a Hainan Airlines 737 MAX performed a flight on the 9th of January. So this this sounds like we're moving in the right direction towards getting commercial service restarted. So hopefully that occurs with other airlines, if that is something that the authorities are, are looking to do is with an onboard proving flight. And then that'll get the aircraft back into service. And it'll be interesting to see how quickly Boeing can start delivering 
737 MAX back to Chinese airlines. Yeah, one step closer. And, and once Boeing does start delivering those aircraft, it's going to be kind of like the Ryanair Congo line where they just have hundreds of these things waiting in, in different airports around the West Coast waiting and have been waiting for years to get out. And that'll be a huge, huge relief when that happens, leaving, I know we've talked about this before, but leaving only Russia as the last major country to really not even mention the situation recently. Yeah, I don't think that they're, it's it's on their, the top of their to-do list. But the MC-21 got certified at the end of last year, so maybe maybe it'll move up there their to-do list. Sure. But yeah, and we'll see if they say anything at all, because so far they just haven't. This has been a fast-moving and wide-ranging episode 146 of AvTalk. We've got some great stuff coming up in the next couple of weeks. We're going to talk with Lawrence Hembrick, who is a product owner at Flyradar24. And Lawrence holds the keys to everything that we are working on in the upcoming year. So we're going to chat with him about what we can expect to see by way of improvements in that. And we've also got some other stuff that we're cooking up that I guess really all depends on travel schedules and who's traveling and if we can travel and how everyone's doing. So hope for a, I guess, better pandemic situation. I don't even know what to call it at this point as things improve so that we can get out there and do more stuff. But until next week, I am Ian Pechnik here as always with Jason Rabinowitz. Thanks for listening. 